0: Trying to bring the wind too uh, somehow we forgot that but uh south dakota and wind seem to go together but it's good to be here good to see you wednesday night faithful right amen my sons we were having dinner a little while ago and they started discussing very subtly so what time does pastor normally get done on wednesday night the other one said oh yeah usually a little before eight he's done yeah i think it's around eight this is a real subtle conversation that goes on between sons and every now and then they look over to see if I'm listening. I wasn't. Amen. But we will have a short message. That's the intention. Let's take our Bible if you would to 1st John chapter 5. I've been in the, in my personal devotions, normally don't preach from where I'm having my devotions, but uh been in my personal devotions in 1st John for some months. It's quite a book. It's just a, Anytime someone asks me, what's your life verse? It's, it's whatever the last verse I read, that's my life verse. It's, the Bible is so alive, isn't it? I mean, you can't read a verse without changing your life. It's just so encouraging to have a living book that we can go to every day and every hour. But I've been in 1 John and it's just, it's amazing what the Lord reveals again and again and again, just at deeper levels, like peeling an onion back. You just get more depth to it. And in 1 John chapter 5, there's something that I think has found its way into my heart. Hopefully it can be an encouragement to you and could be a blessing to you, not only in a reminder or repetition of what you already know, but also maybe a little deeper into a, an area just of discovery of what God has for us. 1 John 5, if you would, in verse 16, it says, If a man see a brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask. Now let me just pause there for a minute. The context is about prayer. The context, if you go up to uh, verse 14, you'll see that there's confidence that we can ask. Verse 15, it talks about we know that whatsoever we ask, we know he heareth us. And so it's, it's about asking. So again, back in verse 16 says, if a man see a brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not unto death. Many of you have heard, no doubt, of the sin unto death, and you've probably heard discussions about it, like what is the sin unto death and all of that. Actually, the context here is not really about the sin unto death. It's about that asking for life. And so I want to deal with tonight, the, if I can use a play on words, I want to preach on the sin unto life and see what the Lord gives us. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll open in prayer and dive right into this and see what the Lord has. Father, would you help us tonight as we open your holy book? We are obviously coming with our own thoughts, our own mindset. But Lord, more than that, we come with distractions and busyness that might keep us from what you have. So Lord, would you please purposefully ride heavily into our thoughts and our hearts, Lord, just take over and distract us from the things of this life that we might sit at your feet for a moment. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Is there life after sin? Is there life after that sin? Those sins, those people that sin? Our text combines the issue of praying and the issue of confidence in prayer. Again, verse, verse, uh, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, this is the confidence. It, it, it combines that with sin. And you and I know a lot of these things, so I'm gonna be pretty simple on it, but it alerts us to the fact that all sin is sin. There's no sin that is not sin. In fact, some sin is unto death and some is unto, not unto death, but all sin is sin. And we know, according to the Bible, that sin has a wage, and the wages of sin is death. So we know that at some stage, all sin is unto death. Romans 6.23 teaches us that. So we understand that, but when one is saved, there is a line where God no longer deals with us in this life like somehow there's a line that the Lord says okay now we deal with this in the next life or in eternity but there is a sin that is not unto death and that's what this passage deals with it's very clear in verse 16 it says towards the end there is a sin unto death and he says I do not say that he shall pray for it there's a lot being said here, and perhaps we'll go through some of the bits and pieces in, in um, kind of highlighting them, but to really get to what we're after, we need to understand that God's intent in our life is to deal with us as sinners, because none of us are without sin, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Would you agree with that? None of us have perfection attained in this life. So the intent of the Bible is not to deal with us without hope, but within hope, or where there's life still existing. Verse 16 makes the comment, it says, if a man see a brother sin a sin which is not unto death. So there's sin that is not unto death, and yet verse 17 says, all unrighteousness is sin so there's sin that's not unto death and don't let me lose you here if i lose myself just come get me and we'll find ourselves back out of this but there is a sin that's not unto death and that doesn't make it right it's still unrighteous amen so just because you got away with sin and you and i are sitting here today saying hey look at us we lived that does not mean that that sin was any less sin than the sin that is unto death, because all sin is unrighteousness. So in the big picture, there are lots of acts of unrighteousness, which while they are sin, they are not unto death. What do we do with those? What do we do when sin somehow gets into our lives? And by the way, we're all sinners, so we're all going to have to deal with this. Amen. Amen. Our families are going to be sinful families. Our churches are going to be sinful churches. Our spouses are going to be sinful spouses. Our children, our parents, we're sinners. Amen? Mm -hmm. So what do we do with it? What do we do with the fact that we're sinners and somehow sin enters into an act and we live to tell the story or someone we know lives to tell the story? How do we deal with that? I think that's what this passage is dealing with. And I think the help in it is so healthy for us that it's a good contemplative or something to contemplate and really process through tonight. So we're going to slow ourselves down, not in time, but in just thought, and just ask ourselves if we can understand why the Lord would intend life after sin. If we could go back and take an entire synopsis of the Bible, I think we'd realize That is why Christ came into the world. He came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might find life. You see, his entire sphere of outlook is not to sentence for the penalty of sin, but to find the forgiveness of sin and really to make a way to where sin no longer had its grip. So... How's this work? What's this look like for us? In 1 John 1, and I'm just going to go back a couple of pages in verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So consider for a moment that sinful acts come from sinful thoughts. You don't sin without having thought about it. At some level, that thought is in there. And while the act is unrighteous, the thought or the pre-act is also unrighteous. But to be honest, it's, quite, it's usually much more dangerous than the actual act, the thought of it. And God uses bad thoughts and bad actions and He um, obviously uses this in some ways that we may not fully understand, but one thing he does is 1 John 1:9, 1, He's able to say, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's the act, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's all the, the peripheral that went with the act. So as we go through this, I want you to think with me on some basics. Number one, all are sinners. Anyone in here not a sinner? Okay, I think we're in the right church. All are sinners, all right? So everyone you know is a sinner. We should therefore not be shocked when someone sins. Would you agree? Amen. If we could read our our minds, we'd be really shocked at how much we think about that may not actually happen, but it still is sin, right? All sin is unrighteousness. And it appears, if I'm not badly mistaken, that everyone in here is still alive. Some of you are questionable. In an hour of preaching later, if I'm still preaching an hour, I'd really have to question that because you'll uh, be getting tired. But the fact is, you're still alive. So you've sinned and you're still alive. So guess what? You've sinned the sin that is not unto death. How did that happen? How's this work where sin can be so wrong and yet not unto death. Galatians 6 and verse 1, and I'm I'm going to do a bit of turning tonight in different areas to get this captured, hopefully in one session that makes sense. Galatians 6, 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, this is more about a doctrinal sin here. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual Restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So the goal of sin is not always to put someone to death. In fact, the goal is restoration. The goal that Jesus came into the world was to restore or reconcile us unto God. Amen. He shed his blood, not for any other reason but that I might have life and life more abundantly. Amen. Look if you went over to Romans chapter 5 and verse 20. Romans 5 and verse 20. Of course, here the Bible is not saying anything you're not familiar with, but it in this light is very helpful. It says, But the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So whenever sin is there and whenever sin is abounding and whenever sin is real, God has something else going on. You and I, we look at the act of sin and we think about, man, what a jerk. What a problem. What a goof. You know, how did that happen? God looks at sin differently. He looks at it with a little different light, and I think that's what 1 John 5 is encouraging us to do, is to understand his mindset. So I'm going to take you through what I think is three keys to what 1 John 5 and verse 16 and 17 really are all about, to help us understand this sin unto life. The first key is the word close close the bible says in verse 16 if a uh, first john 5 if any man see his brother okay so let's just take these words as they are written okay if any man see the first word is see that indicates i have to be closer than gossip would you agree Amen. How many of you have heard gossip about someone sinning? That's different than if any man see. The word see indicates that I have to be close enough to physically be aware of this fact of sin. So not not hearsay, not gossip, but seeing. And then the word brother is used there. If any man see a brother or his brother... That word brother indicates union. It, it, it indicates that we come from the same offspring or from the same womb. We're, we're brethren. So it's a closeness. I have to see and it has to be someone I'm close to. Let me show you a, a picture of this. Can I real quick? Galatians 2. How many of you have heard of the Apostle Paul? Okay, three of you. That's good got a lot of new Christians here tonight. We'll work on helping us all out. Galatians 2, the Apostle Paul and Peter, they had an issue. I want you to see verse 11, Galatians 2:11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Now, this is an issue. We have a problem. We have one-on-one. And Paul just says, you know, I went face-to-face with him. There was a closeness there. There was a sin that God used Paul to help. And I'm telling you that one of the key issues in helping an individual who has sinned is to be close. Now, let me be very very honest and very open about this. This isn't about being close in sin, like, oh, we all do this together. I'm going to get close to sinners. This is about being close in bond or love or, or compassion. Someone you love dearly enough to understand, I want to help them. Uh, you've ever heard of David, the king of Israel, and David sinned a sin which was apparently not unto death because he was still alive to talk to a man named Nathan about it. You remember that story? Nathan went to him, and the indication is Nathan had a finger pointing at him, and and right one-on-one, he said, thou art the man. I'm not talking about someone else in your kingdom, I'm talking about you, David, and you could look that up over in 2 Samuel 12, and you'd understand, this was a man who was close. He was close. And I think what needs to be said here is, sometimes God allows you and I to see sin from someone we know. Now, there's a lot of sin that goes on we hear about. In fact, you could hear about sin in my church probably and not even know who they are, but just because social media, you know, some Snapchat thing and all of a sudden you're aware of things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sometimes God allows you to see it and it's someone you're close to. Sometimes it's a spouse, a family member, a church member, Someone that is is close to you, and it's not... Again, as soon as you dive into this, especially from a preacher's point of view, it's going to bring up memories. And there's not a person in here who hasn't somehow dealt with sin. There's not one soul in here who's not going to have some sort of flash in their mind of, oh yeah, that's kind of like this individual or this situation. But the fact is, there are times where God, by His divine will allows you to be the one person close enough to see someone sin. And know that it's not unto death. And there's been times in my life I've sat back and said, I'm going to just step back a bit because this one's unto death. I know it. And after about a month or two, I start pouting like, Lord, aren't you going to kill him? I mean, come on. I even backed up. I gave you room. I actually you don't know, start asking you to, to do it. <laughs> no, there's some sin that's under life. And it's not about being distant. It's about being close enough. And I believe God allows sin to happen close to every one of the saints that he trusts. People who he expects to love an individual and be close to them, I think he allows us to taste and feel the effect of some sin. Let me show you an example of this, 2 Chronicles 30. Sin that is not unto death often takes place in what I'd call confined environments. And what I mean by that is you may be the only one who knows. Amen. Amen. You may be the only one in the whole world who knows, hey, this is going on. This person just said, this person just gave that look. And sometimes you're the only one who knows how serious it is. And you may be the only one who can stand in the gap for an individual. You may be that one. It has to be that close to really fit in some of this. 2 Chronicles 30, and look if you would at verse 18. I'll be very short on this, 2 Chronicles 30 and verse 18. For a multitude of the people, even many of the Ephraim and Manasseh and Issachar and Zebulun had had not cleansed themselves, yet did they eat the Passover otherwise, than it was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, The good Lord pardon everyone, That prepareth his heart to seek God, the the Lord God of his fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. And the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah and healed the people. There are sometimes God lets you see something, you're like, that's wrong. That that shouldn't happen. That's inappropriate. And sometimes the the real key, I believe, is the Lord saying, yeah, but you're there. You're, You're in the gap. You saw this you saw a brother. Amen. And the sin was not unto death. And so what's my choice? Well, according to our text, I should ask for life, not death. Amen. It gets hard. It gets hard because the second key that I believe needs to be thought about, and again, this is real simple, nothing earth shattering but the next key is the word care because ultimately when i've been in those situations i've had to ask myself do i really care about this individual enough let me let me draw you a synopsis okay if i'm that close to see my brother and he sinned a sin which i'm thinking ought to be unto death but it's not chances are i'm pretty aggravated about this individual amen Chances are for me to get to that point of someone close enough and I see it and they're still alive to talk about it, chances are this one's bugging me. Amen? Like if we asked tonight, how many of you are sinners, would you raise one of your hands? Probably everyone in the room, if I didn't ask you, but I mean, if we did, we'd all raise like, oh yeah, we're all sinners, and it wouldn't hurt anybody. Like we'd all just nod our heads and say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, no big deal. But when we deal with a specific... That was on my turf and it was seen by me. It actually can get deep enough that I gotta figure out where do I stand in this? Where's my heart in this? If you go back to our text, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 16, it says, if any man see his brother, sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. That word ask is an interesting word. It's it's the same word as you find for begging, for craving. It's the idea of someone going to an old-fashioned altar and begging God for life for someone who just sinned. Someone who sinned close enough to me and personal enough to me, and yet somehow they're still alive to talk about it. And God says, you should ask. You should ask. Nine times out of ten in my life, my natural instinct is to ask for death. Amen? Now, I should never admit that as a pastor, but I'm hoping you will never tell anyone that. Will you, will you be part of my team? <laughs> I'm telling you, as a pastor, sometimes my first prayer is, Lord, just kill them all. I don't, I don't mean that. I don't mean all of them. Just, just half of them. <laughs> In all seriousness, sometimes you get hurt bad. Come on. You get hurt bad enough and you quit caring. Hey, they did it. I didn't do it. It was their sin. It wasn't my sin. And somehow that can get under the skin. Amen. Does anyone care? When, it sins, when sin is that close that it's difficult to care, I believe that becomes even more profound about this passage in Scripture, about having a prayer life where you can have confidence and you can ask things of the Lord. And one of the things to ask is for life when you're thinking maybe they should die. Look over to Deuteronomy chapter 9. Deuteronomy 9. You still with me? Alright, just checking. I heard three no's and two yeses, so we're almost 50 percent. That's good. Right. Deuteronomy nine and verse 20. Deuteronomy nine and verse 20. The Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him. And I prayed for Aaron also the same time. What's going on there? God's angry, and someone else is standing in the stead, standing in the gap. You see, there's a prayer for grace or a prayer for mercy. The prayer that says, Lord, could you please help this sinner? Lord, could you please pardon, give space for repentance? That prayer of someone that says, Lord, this is important to me. You know what? Black Road Baptist Church believes this by the way you reach into your community. You don't just pray that God fries everyone who doesn't go to church with you, right? You take the gospel out there. Because you care, you're interested in their eternal soul. And at some stage it's the same concept about caring enough, even when there's someone I know. Amen. Sometimes this is hard. The Bible talks about one who cares immensely, 1 John 2 And verse 5 talks about a mediator between myself and God. And you know who that mediator is? His name is Jesus Christ. He becomes that one who speaks on behalf of me and intercedes on behalf of God. He's the mediator. I'm telling you what, He shows how to care. Sometimes caring means you lose your own life. Amen. Lord, if I... I want to be bitter. I want to be angry. I want to be grumpy. And yet the Lord says, You need to ask. Ask that He shall give Him life. Amen. John chapter 17. I need to read this because I can't remember the exact setting. But this is Christ before He goes to the cross and He prays for His people. And He makes this comment, verse 9, John 17. He says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. I pray for them. I'm just saying Jesus cares. There's not a day goes by in your life Jesus Christ isn't praying for you. There's not a sin that you haven't lived through that Jesus Christ hasn't been on a mediator basis interceding for you. If you go back into your text in 1 John, you'll notice in in the very beginning of 1 John, where is it? I've got to find this, verse 1 of chapter 2. It says this, My little children, these things write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Well, there is one who cares for you, even though you've sinned, even though you've blown it even though he's seen it, even though you're close to him, even though you're a child of God, there's one who sees our sin and he cares deeply. I think caring is a key. I do know this. There's been times, it's been hard for me to pray for someone who's hurt me badly. It, honestly, sometimes it's the most difficult thing I do. I can preach, I can sing, I can do a lot of the wind up the robot and let the robot go. I can do a lot of that. But to care for someone who is trampled on something close or tender to me, that's a little harder. Bible says ask. Ask. Not for death, for life. Ask for life. Huh. Chapter 5, 1 John 5 and verse 16. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life. Everything I read in my Bible talks about life. In fact, the context, if you want to go back, it says in verse 11, This is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life. And this life is in His Son. The whole book of 1 John has is, is, is got a lot of different themes to it. But one of the bigger themes is that life is in Jesus Christ. You know, I think it's written towards a bunch of Jews who didn't believe that. So it's a record. This is where life is found. And when you find that life, 1 John 5, 11 says you have that life. Verse 12, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Verse 13, these things are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And out of that, you have confidence. Verse 14, you have a right to be petitioning God. Verse 15, and verse 16 says, here's what you can petition for. Isn't that interesting? The whole spirit of it is when you got it, you want someone else to have it. When you have that life, that abundant, that freedom, that joy, that all the things that life is known for, and you see a brother sin a sin, God says, ask. Ask. So the second key is to care. When God lets you be close to someone who fails, sometimes it's ourself. But usually it's someone else that we're working with. When God lets you and I be close enough to someone, I believe this with all my heart, He expects you to care. If you're close enough to be hurt and you struggle caring, I believe this is a good passage to come back to. We could read about Moses when he stood in the breach. God was going to destroy, and He said, Oh Lord, please don't. He cared. Moses was one who cared. Ezekiel 22. Is there a man among them that should stand in the gap that I will not destroy? Amen. I there ought to be someone standing in the gap. Amen. All I'm saying is that a man who is close ought to be a man who cares enough to ask. And thirdly, it brings us to the third key, and I'll be done, and that's the word cure. The word cure. One of the most important things in this passage, I believe, is found in verse 16 of 1 John 5. And it is simply, if any man see his brother sin, sin which is non-death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life. Isn't that amazing? When I see someone sin, if it's me I see sin, I never think of these things. I think we ought to get past it real quick and everyone ought to forget about it because everyone's a sinner, Right? But when someone else sins, I think, you know, just this innate nature in the back of my mind says, you need to wear this for a long time, like 100 years, 50 lifetimes, you know, always have a question mark on your shirt. When you come to church, you ought to wear the, the tie with question marks about it because we just don't know if you're going to do it again. Now, that's my innate nature. But I'm telling you what, God cures. Amen. God can give life. God can take the drunkard and and clean him up so much. God took this old sinner, cleaned him up so much that I don't deserve it and the Lord knows that more than you do. But I'm just saying, God can take us and give us life where death used to hang over our heads. God can do that and God wants to do that. Praise the Lord. I believe the most important passage in, or part of this is that simple comment that says in verse 16, and he shall give him life. You mean if I ask, because I care and I was close, you mean if I ask, God can cure? Yeah, I think he can. God puts little hospitals all around the world. They're called New Testament Baptist churches. Amen. They're not, they're not judgment halls. They're they're not politician, um, town hall, community hall conversation points. It's a hospital. It's a place where people care. And you blow it, and you just happen to be close enough where you're everyone's brother. (laughs) And everyone sees it. And you're like, oh man. It ought to be the safest place on the planet. Where there's a huge percentile of people that say, I'm going to go to the altar, and I'm going to beg and plead and ask my God if He can't do for you what He's done for me. Because there's a God who will somehow take a, a dirty God sinner and say things like, let him without cast first stone, right? There's a God who can give life when all that's really deserved is death. That's the type of God we're talking about. Ezekiel, he I'm sorry, Exodus 32. Exodus 32. Let's look at a couple of thoughts on this, examples, and wind our way down. Exodus 32 and verse 10, the Bible here says, Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God, and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt, with thy great power and with thy mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. So what's going on here? Oh, same thing that goes on in a lot of passages of Moses' life. It was a man who cared enough to talk to God because he knew that God could fix He knew God could fix this situation. There is no sin that God isn't bigger than. There's no problem that God's not able to cure. In fact, to be very honest with you, He came to seek and to save sinners. And Paul said, I'm chief among all of those. He called himself the chiefest of sinners Two different places, I think a third place he mentioned something similar, but two different places he took sinners and he lumped them up and he put himself at the top of that pack. He said, I'm the worst of the worst. And there's something inside of an individual. 1 John 5 and verse 11 says, I've got eternal life. Verse 12 says, I know that I have life. Verse 13 that says, I have life and it's it's God's life. And verse 14 says, "I, I want that life for you. Sin, sin does a funny thing, it kills a soul. Did you know that? It separates a soul from life. It kills a soul. I think what God does, he puts a church together and people who know these things and says, since you know that, why don't you get on your face and beg God to cure someone. I have some folks in our church, if you knew who they were before they came to church, you probably wouldn't sit by them. You'd lock your car. Amen. You'd watch your children closer. And probably the same is true in this church and every other church. Because God has a habit of finding dirty, rotten, nobody wants, devil's halfway already taken control of. God has a way of finding dead bones and breathing life into them. And everyone stands back and says, wasn't that the blind man? Wasn't that the one who? And no one knows what to do with that. Because that's the God of miracles. And so in a New Testament church, I think it's fantastic that God says, hey, if there's a sin unto death, you won't have to worry about it because they'll be dead. But if it's not unto death, here's a ministry for you. Number one, get close. Be close. Close enough to see, not gossip. See a brother, someone that you and he or you, you and her, you're together in this. You're not separate. You're together. It hurts. Be close, close enough to care. Go ask. Ask for life. When you want internally, you want judgment, you want someone to vindicate your right to be a little grumpy, ask. Care enough because, thirdly, there's a real cure. There's a real cure. I'm just speaking from my heart here for a moment, but I'll say this. One of the harder things in my life to swallow as a young Christian was seeing someone do something wrong and then still have a cheery appetite in church because I wanted them to be sour and heavy. Later in life, I began to realize... If it's through repentance and it's right, wow, what a joy that someone can actually get past themselves and find new life in Christ. Whether it's a sinner off the street getting saved or whether it's an aged saint, that blows it. What a joy to know that we can have our joy restored. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. What a, what a tremendous privilege. John chapter 8, and I'll wind this down. Did I say that yet? Wind this down? I don't think I said it exactly that way. I said it a little different way. That wasn't a sin unto death, so don't pray for it. <laughs> John chapter 8, verse 12. John 8, 12 says, Then spake Jesus unto them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have light, the light of life. Man, there's a lot there. I don't understand all that that verse has. But I know this, that Jesus Christ came into the world that we might have life. Amen. He came that we might have abundant life. And He just simply says that you follow Him, He shall have the light of life. The light of life. The one thing that doesn't have darkness, in fact, 1 John 1 says in Him, dwell is no darkness at all. He is light of life. There is a sin that is not unto death. Well, what's that sin for? Just to judge people and beat them up? No. It's actually to reignite what life is all about. The light of life, to relive you know what? God's not shocked by sin. In fact, there's a ministry for sin. And it's okay. Does it make the sin right? No, not at all. That's a totally different message. I hope you haven't heard that in this message at all. Does it mean you don't repent from sin? No, I hope you didn't hear that because that's not what this message was about. This was a message for those caregivers of a New Testament Baptist church who just simply see a brother and say, What do I do? I'm hurt. I'm bothered what do I do? Be close, care, and see if God can't cure them, just like He did you. Amen? And when He does, maybe just quietly, privately say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Next time, go ahead and kill them, but this time, thank you. You fixed it all. Amen? Amen. Pastor.